What is up, golf addicts? It's David with the Tour Junkies podcast brought to you by Roto Grinders. Check out rotogrinders.com for the premium membership. Get the expert consensus rankings with, uh, you know, Pat and I and Notorious and all those guys who are just brilliant DFS ballers giving you all the insight. You need to check it out on rotogrinders.com. Listen, this is a fantastic podcast. We are jam-packed. Apologize for the length. We know it's long, but listen, it is what it is. It's the last major of the year, and we've got killer content, and we are going to start it off with an interview from Billy Horschel and Pat's Apology, Apology 2.0. Once again, Pat sticks his foot in his mouth. It gets back to a tour pro, and now we have Billy Horschel on the show. It's just a, it's a great world we live in in 2016. I love it. Big shout-out to our, our listener, Mark Smith, for helping hook that up. Following Billy Horschel, we've got PGA Pro at Baltus Raw, Doug Steffen, joining the podcast to give us an inside take on the course setup. And then, as always, Pat and I follow with our DraftKings picks and Millie Maker plays as well. Once again, thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast brought to you by Roto Grinders. We appreciate you listening. May your screens be green and enjoy the show. What is going on, Golf Addicts, Tour Junkies podcast? We are back. This is David. I've got Pat on the line. And then we have got a really special guest that we are excited to have on the show. Um, and, and we're going we're gonna to have a good time with him. He's got, he's got three career PGA Tour victories, including the FedEx Cup Tour Championship in 2014. We've got Billy Horschel on the line. How's it going, Billy? How you feeling, man? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? We are really good. We're excited to have you. We know it's a busy week. Uh, you're prepping for the PGA Championship at Baltus Raw. Um, you know, coming back from a crazy schedule this year as everything's kind of compressed. So we, uh, as always, appreciate your time. And and you know, even though you're a Gator fan, this is now the uh, this is now the second big Gator fan we've had on the show. Uh, you know, the first one turned out to be not that bad of a guy. We had Paul Story on. He seems like a good guy. So. You know, uh, hopefully we can all just get along in this podcast. That's the goal. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So, Billy, you know, first things first, before we really get into the question, um, you know, I just want to take a minute to remind our, our listeners of one of the, you know, really the reason you're here. Because if a lot of people don't know, we had uh, we had a listener tweet out to you. I guess he was a, he was a fellow Florida Gator graduate and, and fan of the Gators. And listens to our show, knows that we're Bulldogs fans, but uh, apparently, you know, didn't appreciate Pat's take on the Open Championship for you, and um, and so he he tweeted you, let you know what was going down, and you responded. You've been a good sport about it, and so here we are once again with Pat uh, landing a, a guest on the Tour Junkies podcast by just putting his foot in his mouth, which is you know it's actually paying off for us at the moment, but I, I don't know if it's a lot of fun for Pat. So let me just play this real quick and remind everybody, uh, you know, what Pat said to get us here to this point. They show him hitting off the 18th tee with his hat on backwards. Just so disrespectful. I mean, I just can't, I cannot... How does a game need yeah, something does. like that? I did not, you know, Horschel, what what in the world was he doing on, on Friday? I mean, he shot, 
a great round on Friday, on Thursday, and then he just absolutely <laughs> ejects, shoots 46 on the back on Friday. Oh, okay. Does he wear his hat backwards his entire round? The way he just sort of quit on the round, throws the hat on okay. backwards. It's just a per. It's a Florida Gator for you. Oh, okay. What to you indicates that he quit on the round? His hat turning backwards? The 46, maybe? How does a game need yeah, something does. like that? If he was serious about what he's doing, he would have never turned his hat backwards. So you just got to have a little more, better self-control than that to me. <laughs> How does a game need yeah, something does. like that? It, it, it makes you look like you're just being lackadaisical out there and not serious about what you're doing. All right, so as you can see, Billy, um, things, things, got, things got heated pretty quickly here. So Pat, I think, would really like to sincerely uh, apologize for his behavior. So I'm actually going to let Pat go, go, you know, take, take this on from here. And, um, you know, and it's Apology 2.0. He's done this before. He's, uh, he's been pretty good at it. He, uh, we mended a relationship with Stephen Bowditch. And so now it's up to you, really, Billy, if you're going to accept the, the apology or not. And, and if so, we can move forward with the interview. But, Pat, I'll let you take it over from here, bud. All right. Well, all right, Billy. Uh, here I am again, apologizing to a tour pro for sticking my foot in my mouth. Apparently, uh, this, is, this is obviously a trend for me. So hopefully you'll hear me out and uh, accept this apology. And we can just get this behind us and have some good conversation. So, so here it goes, okay? Mr. Horkel, first, I want to thank you for agreeing to come on this mediocre show. I have no idea what I was thinking when I said you were disrespectful to the tour and that it appeared as if you would quit on your round at the Open Championship simply because you rotated your hat 180 degrees. How, how could I even say that? I, I don't even know you. As a matter of fact, for one glorious day at the Open, Billy, we shared a lot in common. A common bond, if you will. I, too, know it's like you know, 46. As a matter of fact, the same week I shot a 46, and I was on the good side of the draw at my local municipal course from the White Chief. <laughs> actually, that was one of many, many 4.6s, actually. I must admit, there have been many times I've wanted to play with my hat backwards, but not to avoid the water dripping in my eyes. No, it was because it makes it much easier to wipe away the tears. It was a heated exchange on the podcast that night, as, as we've heard. We recapped your actions. My much younger co-host came to your defense as he tends to be more, be more irreverent. Poor junkie. You could say that I got caught up in the drama of the argument and my emotional scars from years of gator hatred came to a swell that resulted in mouth vomit that was ultimately a blessing. And that is the reason you're here with us today. Therein lies the excuse for my harsh words of disrespect. And the suggestion that you quit on your round, Mr. Horschel, you have no idea the pain and heartache us dog fans went through all those many years we could never beat the Gators. It causes us to say mean things to people we don't know. You seem to be a nice person that may have just gone astray around the time of choosing a college, which ultimately led to attending Florida. This may be the case of one, of one being guilty by association. That is truly just not true. Hopefully we can put this behind us, silly ho, and be cool. Please accept this apology, Mr. Horschel.
Thank you. I, I, you know, that was a great apology. And, you know, I don't hold any grudges against anyone. You know, as a Gator, All right. I mean, as a Gator we, can't, we, we can't hate the dogs because, you know what, we get a win every year out of you guys. Or yeah. at least it seems like that way. So, um, like I said, I mean, I understand. It's all good. And uh, that, that was very nice of you, Billy. And uh, once again, you had <laughs> a, stellar, a stellar apology on you, man. That was really sincere. Um, that I was really see, good. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I can see why why um you know why both of your marriages have been so successful. That's just great. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, with, with with all this behind us, with all this behind us, you know, let's uh, let's get into some real content here. So, Pat, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Well, Billy, let's just talk about going into the PGA Championship. How how you feeling this week? I feel good. Uh, obviously, um, you know, the British Open is not that far. Uh, you know, behind us or in the rearview mirror. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of really good uh, practice and prep work uh, leading up to the Open Championship. Um, the routine for the last few years is flying over on, a, you know, get over there Saturday morning and, and, and play pretty much 18 holes every day. Uh, get used to playing links golf again. Get used to hitting different types of shots. And this year I felt really good with, uh, you know, the work we did. Felt really good with the swing. Um, and I went out and played really good the first uh, round Thursday. And then, you know, Friday comes along and, uh, you know, we're playing some, you know, tough conditions around the turn. And, and I made some, made some bad swings at the wrong time. Uh, and we made bad swings and sideways rain and wind blowing 25 off to your left. Uh, you know, the four right uh, comes into play very quickly right after, after the ball left the club. I was yelling for right quite a bit a few times. So, and uh, unfortunately, there happened to be some gorse bushes where my ball decided to land. So, you know, it was a disappointing because I felt really good with how my game was, what we were working on, and everything. And and unfortunately, you know, it happened. And uh, you know, that's golf. What happens sometimes? Sometimes you play really good and and get rewarded. Sometimes you play really bad and uh, you still get rewarded. Um, but um, in that case, I played really bad and got no rewards at all so you know looking at the course i think you played 18 holes this morning um you know how's the course looking you know what's the setup like and and you know what are some key things that you think guys will have to do well here to win this week yeah this course is unbelievable it's the first time i've played it uh, i'm a big I'm a big old school architect guy you know the ross is a tilling hat the seth uh rainers uh the mcdonald's those guys are just um uh, you know, I'm a big fan of their work, and, and this course being a Tilling Hats course, I just love the way it's shaped. I love the, you know, just the slight bend in the holes. You know, just once you ask you to work the ball just a little bit one way or the other. Uh, you know, the greens have a little bit of slope from back to front on them. You know, similar to Augusta, but not nearly as severe. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think the course is set up beautiful right now. You know, the rough isn't very penal. Uh, you know, I obviously. I'm not missing it miles off the fairway. So where I'm missing it, it's allowing you to, um, you know, whether you're just a couple of yards off the fairway, it's allowing you to to play a playable lot, you know, hit a shot up there, whether get on the green or get near the green instead of, you know, just hack out rough back to the fairway. And then I think when you get a little bit further in toward, towards the tree line, I think it's a little bit longer. But, you know, it's not really lush. It's not very uh, long. So I think you're going to see a lot of uh, – Really good shots come from the rough this week, but you're also going to see some bad ones because you're going to see guys try and be a little more aggressive because they think they can get, uh, you know, something out of it, get something a little bit more than 
than what it looks like, and and they're going to pay the price. Um, the greens right now are they got a little firmness to them, but they can firm up a lot more. Um, and then the green speeds, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if they're going to speed them up or not. Uh, like I said, there's some slopes on the green, so you know, maybe they get a little bit faster. We'll see what happens. But like I said, this course is an awesome golf course. First time I've seen it. Um, you know, I think some of the keys this week to play well. I think you have to drive the ball well. I think being in the fairway, uh, like I said, the rough's not penal, but being in the fairway, being able to pack uh, these, these pins and some of these holes are really long par four. So, and the fairways are running out. So, you know, you hit it in the rough compared to the fairway, you've got two to three less clubs in the fairway compared to the rough. And then being able to put your ball in the right spots on the greens below the hole where you can give yourself uh, good birdie opportunities to be aggressive with the putt. So, um, yeah, I think those are a big key. Obviously, short game is always a big key in, in majors. Um, the guys, you know, always up near the lead or winning tournaments uh, and major championships are always, short game is always very sharp. And, you know, putting inside 10 feet sort of goes hand in hand with short game. Um, you know, if you make your putts inside 10 feet, you get a lot of uh, par saves and you're going to have some birdie opportunities. So it allows you to, to um, get gain some momentum um, from making those putts. Tell us, you know, a little bit about your weekly plan kind of going into the tournament when it comes to practice rounds. You know, how do you and your caddy plan? You know, who are, are there folks that you like to normally play with? You know, any, any any kind of money games out there? You know, just what's your week look like leading up to, you know, Thursday? You know, every major or every, every week is different for me. Um, in the sense of do I play games or do I do my own thing or do I try to schedule practice rounds? Uh, you know, at majors, I just try and do, you know, my thing. You know, if I wind up, if I wind up seeing some guys, you know, that want to play a practice round, you know, we'll play a practice round, but it's got to be on the time I want to play. Um, too early on in my career, I was, I was trying to uh, play with certain guys and play around their schedule. And, you know, it was, it was some of these veterans and learn some things. But at the same time, uh, maybe not the veterans, but other guys my age, you know, we say, hey, let's play at nine o'clock. You know, I'm ready to go at 8.55, I'm ready to go, go play. And, you know, we don't wind up teeing off to 9.45. And then, you know, that ruins sort of the rest of my day, how I had it planned out. I'm a very structured guy. I'm a very organized guy um, when it comes to golf. So I like doing my thing on my time. So like this morning, you know, I didn't schedule practice on with anyone. You know, we went out, played 18 holes. Uh, you know, we uh, early, whether it's Sunday night or Saturday or whatever, you know, a couple of days before, you know, I wanted to be on the phone with my teacher, Todd Anderson, uh, another guy on my team, stats slash, he's a course management slash analyzer, uh, Mark Horton, and then Mac, my caddy, Micah, we wind up, you know, getting on the phone, talking about, you know, what we should do in a sense of practice around for the week, whether we play 18 holes, whether we play some money games, you know, so we lay out the entire week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what we're going to do. And like at the British Open, you know, like I said, we played, you know, 18 holes pretty much every day. And then um, wound up playing practice around with Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, and Justin Leonard. On Tuesday, we play, wound up playing a money game. And then the next day, I played again with Furyk and wound up playing a money game the last nine holes. Um, but this week, uh, tomorrow, I'm going to play in the afternoon nine holes. If someone happens to be on the team when I play, you know, I'll wind up playing. And then Wednesday, um, I wind up playing nine, uh, the back nine early Wednesday morning. Same thing. If someone happens to be around, I'll join up. Uh, you know, tomorrow before I go play nine holes, we're going to do probably about an hour worth of putting. We'll probably go do about an hour, hour and a half on the range. 
just working on a couple of things in our swing that uh, we just need to tighten up before uh, we, you know, tee it for real on, on Thursday. And Sunday, and then Wednesday after I play my practice round, I may hit a few balls, um, but I'll just do a lot of putting after my round on Wednesday. And then while we're out on the course, we do a lot of short game. Um, you know, I think short game around the practice area is nice, but, you know, those stuff's just working on, like, technique stuff. You know, on the course, you're working on trying different lies, different shots to different pin locations on certain holes. Love it. Love the process, man. I, I, I like that. That's cool. You just kind of do your thing. So any uh, any superstitions on the golf course for you? Uh, yeah, I, I have quite a few, I think. Uh-oh, um, quite a few, huh? <laughs> I have I have a couple. Uh, I yeah. always have to have four. I always have to have four tees in my right pocket. If I break a tee on uh, after I hit a shot, um, I go right to the bag, grab another one. I always keep <laughs> uh, the same 1936, 1936 quarter that I've had in my bag since uh, my sophomore year of college. I keep the same uh, divot repair tool that I've had in my bag since um, probably my for seven, eight years now, since I've been out on tour, I got it from Annandale and, and I believe Jackson, Mississippi. I think that's where it is. Um, I'm trying to think of what else do I have? Superstitions. Um, if I haven't made a bogey with a ball, I don't switch. So there's there many times where I play with, I'll play with the same ball for the entire 18 holes. Uh, so I've got that. Uh, I only play with three balls around. I only carry maybe seven balls in my bag, period. Uh, I mean, if I, have to, if I lose seven golf balls, I should probably just walk off the golf course. It's <laughs> not. I'm, 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 my score is going to be pretty high. Uh, hopefully higher than 85. <laughs> There's certain times where, like, if, um, if I'm staying, if I'm on the road by myself, my family's not with me. If I played a really good round one day, whatever I had for dinner the night before, I wanted to be the same thing again. Um, wow. Similar for breakfast. Similar for breakfast the next morning. I do similar, you know, trade the similar, you know, whether it was eggs and bacon and fruit or fruit, you know, bacon and yogurt and, you know, toast, you know, I'm sort of, um, uh, superstitions that way. Uh, and I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a played baseball growing up. So baseball ways just sort of crept into the golf. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm not totally religious on, you know, in the, you know, I've got to do the, eating the same thing if I played well, but I'm pretty religious. I'm really religious in the sense of having my teeth, always having four teeth, glove in the left-hand pocket, using the same different repair tool and coin. Um, I'm, I'm very nervous about uh, if I ever lost my bag, my bag never got found, not having that quarter and the different repair tool. <laughs> not so much the not so much the different repair tool, but the quarter more or less. Yeah. That's uh yeah you're you're pretty superstitious man I, yeah I get it I played baseball growing up too so I, I get it. that's ingrained in a baseball player so I get it so yeah. yeah it sounds like uh it sounds like you know you have your routine you you like your your things the way they've been so one of the things I wanted to ask you about that we've never really asked anybody who's been on the show but I think a lot of people are curious uh, is you know I want to talk about PXG I want to talk about uh, you know Bob Parsons who just seems to be a really interesting guy. I love the PXG brand. I've not I've not had a chance to hit any of the clubs, uh, but I love the way it looks. And um, and I know you know you got some great players like yourself switching to PXG. But I think one of the things that we want to know is like how that process works. So you know last week you had Schwartzel come out 
and announced that he was uh, switching to PXG. And a lot of people that you know that that we talked to were like, "Oh my God, he switched to PXG. Why is he doing that the week before a major?" And you know, I'm, I'm like, "Well, you know, of course these guys don't just hit the clubs, you know, the, the day before they switch and then just decide to switch." Like, but how does that courting process work when you're in an agreement with, you know, I think for you was it Ping maybe before? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, how does that process work when you're in that agreement and yet this other company's coming for you and you're trying out clubs and like, how do you decide, you know, when you're going to pull the trigger on that and, and, and how did that look for you for PXG? Uh, my contract with Ping was up at the end of 2015 and and for me, there was only, uh, my manager Sherry and I had all, had talked about the beginning of the year, um, possible companies I felt comfortable going with. Ping was one of them. There was one other company that I would only go with uh, at the time, and then PXG, uh, you know, came onto the market. They came on the market, you know, in the fourteen, uh, early and early fifteen. Um, but what really brought PXG, you know, in my line of in my path was Matt Rollins, who was at the time uh, uh, head of operations for PJ Tour. A uh, really good friend of mine for Ping. He works with Ping, and then he took, uh, uh, you know, lead for tour operations at PXG, where he oversaw all tour, um, all the tours, and, and just not one. So he obviously had a uh, a jump up in, you know, status at a new company, and, and wanted to take a chance. And yeah, so obviously with him being a good friend of mine. You know, I wanted to see if there was an interest, and there was a little interest. And so we talked a little bit, and I wanted to make sure, and he wanted to make sure that I could play the clubs before we even got into possibly a negotiation standpoint. I tested the club the week before the British Open um, in Sea Island with my teacher, Todd Anderson, and, and a club fitter, probably the best club fitter in the country, Craig Allen, who works out at Sea Island. Um, I use him a lot to, uh, you know, I, whenever I was testing new clubs and trying new stuff out, I go to him a lot for his opinion, because it's unbiased. Um, and so we went there, we tested them in the numbers and the way they felt, the way they looked, were just phenomenal. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, this, this could be a possibility if the contract, you know, worked out in sense of what, you know, we both agreed on, you know, ping didn't work out, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the numbers were in both, whether ping or PXG, I had to feel comfortable um, with the numbers and the equipment. And, and you know, obviously, a couple months later, you know, I wound up knowing that I was gonna. I made a decision probably a month later that I was gonna, you know, wind up go with P- PXG at the end of the year. Um, I, you know, the contracts were just better, and um, with that, uh, you know, I did more testing in November um, just to fine tune some things. Um, worked on it, you know, the rest of the winter. Went out to Palm Springs, tested a little bit more, just tweaked a couple more things, and. You know, it's been a really good fit. Um, I just actually put it their brand. They've got a new driver this week, um, just uh, uh, an enhancement to what the, the OA11 is. Um, and there's only they only got a couple right now that been a uh, you know that they built. And I, I put the new one in play this week. Um, it just comes off a lot better, a lot flatter trajectory than what I'm looking for. This driver head that I have this week. Um, should come out to the market here in the, in the next few months, possibly into this year. Um, going back to how you get away with testing clubs and everything, you know, I don't think there's anything in our contract that says we can't, can't test clubs. 
but there's okay. things in our contracts that say, okay, well, when you play a tournament, Billy, you have to play 11 of our clubs and ah. you have to play the driver and the putter, or you just have to play the driver or you just have to play the putter. So everyone, everybody's contract's different, but when you play in a okay. professional event where, you know, where you're being seen, you know, you're playing in a professional event, PJ tour, European tour, whatever, you've got to stick to your contract. Now there's guys that, you know, may go one or two weeks, you know, playing one less club but not playing the putter because, you know, they want to try something different or the putter that they've been, they've been working on trying to get a, uh, an Odyssey putter and they haven't found anything they like. So they've been using a Nike putter that they've used yeah, you know, for yeah. the last five years with Nike. Now they switch over to Callaway. They have to use Odyssey putter. So there's so many little things away into it, but there's nothing in our contract that says we can't test clubs. We can't try this stuff out. Um, it's just, you know, when it comes to playing a tournament, you got to play what um, the contract says. Now with Charles Schwartzel's case, I think, and I don't know a lot about it. I think, you know, he just may not have been happy with, you know, Nike or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, just said, okay, well, you know, I, I just want, I just want to leave the company, leave, the, leave Nike and go somewhere else. And, and, um, Obviously, you wind up coming to PXG. It's a very, very similar situation that I think uh, I remember a few years ago happened. You know, Patrick Reed did the same thing. Um, I remember hearing about, you know, he was playing Nike and then in the middle of the year switches to Callaway and his contract wasn't up. I think he just wanted out of his Nike deal. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't happen a lot. And when it does happen, yeah. it makes waves because you don't see it in the middle of the year very often. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of the guys out here, we do. Rigor, rigorous testing to make sure that whether the ball we're using, new ball we're moving into, or new wedges or driver irons, whatever, we've got it dialed into what we'd like to see or the way we like it to perform. Well, speaking of looking good, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of your RLX deal that you have, and if I if I were on tour and I could pick my my clothing, that would be it. Now now Pat, uh, you know, I need to tell you, Billy, we're we're trying to dig Pat out of the uh, you know, out of the out of the late '90s here, he's he's still you know wearing wearing pleated shorts and you know old man kind of shirts and stuff. But uh, but I'm a huge fan of your RLX stuff, and I saw you tweeting out about cleaning out your closet a while back to make room for the new stuff. So you know, another question that I don't ever hear anybody get asked is, what do you do with all the clothes that they give you when you're cleaning them out? And like, is there a so, so yeah? Answer that question first, then I have a follow up. So what do you do with all this? <laughs> I think I know what maybe the follow up is. Um, uh, you know, it's Ralph Warren RLX, it's my dream company I could ever imagine being yeah. with. So when I grew up, I, I love wearing polo stuff, uh, whether it was, you know, a polo sweatshirt to school or wearing a golf shirt, uh, a college shirt on the course, anything polo, I just loved. And so when, you know, I turned pro and I was lucky enough that they, they were interested in, in signing me and having me wear their clothes, it was a dream come true and it's been great so far and, and hopefully they, they want me for many more years because I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. That's for sure. Uh, but you know, when it comes to clothes, I get, uh, two shipments a year. Uh, I get one at the beginning of January and this December, beginning of January, which we call our spring line. And then I get one, um, which I just got a couple weeks ago, our fall line for the rest of the year. So it went, you know, end of December, beginning of January, I get one sometime around mid-July for the rest of the year till December. And when I get those clothes, I roughly get about probably, shoot, 
I would say 30 to 40 golf shirts. Uh, I roughly get about, um, let me see how many, how many pants I got. I probably get about. Man, this is just, this is Christmas right now. I mean, I'm, I would just be is. waiting. It really is. Every the... time. Uh, uh, trust <laughs> me. I, I mean, I obviously it's my seventh year on tour, but man, I do enjoy every time we get new clothes from, from, from Polo. And so I get about 20 to 25 pairs of pants. And then, you know, whenever maybe I just want uh, the white pants I've been wearing that they sent me are a little dirty. So they send me some more, or there's another pair of pants that maybe got ripped or, you know, that I didn't wash them right and I destroyed them. I get, I just have them ship me some more. Uh, and then, you know, during majors, they ship me, uh, all seven outfits that they have me um, scripted to wear that week. So, you know, I get, you know, another 28 pair of clothes that more or less the shirts are something I've already have or the pants that I have something yeah. I already have, but just give me fresh ones for that week. Um, they add sweaters in there too. So, you know, when I, when it comes to clean out closet time, you know, they usually wind up going to, we, we wind up giving some the goodwill and first key and everything. And, but I've yeah. got, I've got a lot of uh, people lately that want me to to start start <laughs> some type of website where they can just come in and grab. Uh, we can post them online, and then whatever you want, you can grab, and uh, it will be shipped to you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine Pat would get just as excited about like a Docker shipment or something. Maybe Pat, what do you think? <laughs> oh, come on, man! You know I've gotten maybe. better. I've gotten better over the last few months. Maybe Bugle Boy back in the day. I don't know. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I want Bugle Boy a little bit. I remember that. What, what about a look on tour that you would never wear due to personal style? Like, like you got Fowler's high tops for controversial. I, I can't stand Patrick Reed's colored pocket flap. You know, <laughs> is there is there anything like that that you just would go ahead and say right now? Billy Horschel is never wearing that. You can't pay me enough. Well, here's the thing. Uh, it was this thing was a big trend. You know, a few years ago, I remember starting in the late 2000s, and and it carried on. It still carried on. It still carried on to this day, but it's a fashion faux pas. It really is. Um, it was okay, you know, back, like I said, late 2000s, maybe beginning, you know, a few years ago. But now there's so many different options. Wearing a white belt with anything yep. but white pants is a no-no now. It's just <laughs> there's so many other stuff, you know. The brown belt has been brought back into, uh, you know, where you can style it really good. You know, depending on whether you're wearing brown shorts or blue shorts or whatever, the brown belt's great. You know, so many other color belts out there that you can wear. So when I see a a guy that I think dresses well and I see him wear a white belt and I'm like with like black pants or native pants, I'm like, come on, man. You know, man. You know, this. Let's do something. Let's let's just switch it up. Show some more. Uh, and I'm not saying everyone has, you know, Ralph Lauren as their yeah, yeah. sponsor and tells them, you know, you know how to look sharp on a daily basis. But uh, you know, it's just little things. And you know, like I, I gave I give Tiger a hard time when he was out here. I'm like, dude, why are you wearing a white belt? And he's like, they only make white shoes. Nike only makes white shoes for me. Or they only make black shoes. I can't wear black shoes with this. I said, dude, come on. You know, go tell them to make you a brown belt or make you some brown shoes or whatever, you know? When he was oh. when he was with, uh, obviously when he was with Nike early on and he was wearing some of those nice brown leather shoes and everything, those things were yeah. really sweet. I remember having a pair of those growing up. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the one thing for me that, you know. The, I, an, I, the anti-white belt guy. 
Okay. Yeah, anti-white belt. You will never see me wear a white belt with anything with white other than white pants. And, and a lot of time, I'm not wearing the white belt much anymore because you can wear a different colored belt, you know, whether, you know, you're wearing a blue shirt up on top, you can wear an orange belt with it, you know, so it's got the blue and orange going on. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know about know, those that. Great I, colors. I, I, I think that would be, I think that would be just <laughs> much of a sin. Um, I think red and black would be better. <laughs> You know, Billy, we're David and I are, are based out of Augusta, and and so mm-hmm. you know the fa- the fans at the Masters or patrons, as they call them, uh, are pretty, make, make sure pretty, we use pretty that good. Word. That's right, that's right. I don't want anybody over there listening to me calling the wrong thing, but trust me, they're, they're, they're not. The fans, they're not. yeah, they're not. They're not. The fans there though are pretty pretty good. So, but what is probably your biggest pet peeve during the tournament, as far as? the golf fan, like what they may do that just kind of annoys you? You know, there, there's two things. Um, one of one of the things that I, I just laugh at is when right after you hit a shot, someone says, oh, great golf shot, good shot. And, you know, the ball's headed towards a tree. And you're like, yeah. oh, is that a good shot? You know, like, because I got the ball airborne, your ball's usually dribbling off, dribbling <laughs> yeah. off the or something. So that's one thing that I just, I you know, just, just wait one second, two seconds, and then you can see if there's a good, you know, whether the shot was really good or not. You know, the other thing, the and the other thing that uh, it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Um, and a lot of times, I'm, I'm, you know, when I do respond back to this, I, uh, I sort of, I'm a smart ass. I'm just having a good time with the person. He may think I'm, I'm being an asshole because of the way what I may say back, but I'm actually just laughing inside and and being a smart ass and, and just want to joke with them. But, you know, if someone says like, let's say I'm just walking from green to the next key or I'm walking down the fairway. If someone yells like go balls or go dogs or go roll tie. I'm like, I'm like, okay. If someone has said go Gators, I can understand you saying that, you know, but no one said anything. Like, what are you saying that? Like, I'm like, do I really care that you said that? No, not really. So I had this, I had this funny, funny uh, episode at uh, and a lot of times it depends on who you know what they say you know like roll tide i can't say anything back to roll tide because shit i mean they've they've kicked our ass yeah. for the last uh yeah you know kick our ass and they're just dominated team you can't say anything to them because there's just nothing you can chump them with um but right. you know at u.s open this year i'm playing my final round and uh walking down the 10 fairway up to the 10 green and, and someone yells over go balls and I looked over and I said, really, dude, you really want to say go balls to me? And he said, yeah, go balls. I said, I said, I said, I said, listen, next time you say that, make sure you got something to back it up with. Because last time I checked, you guys haven't beaten us in 11 years, you know? So that shut them up a little bit. And then, you know, then they followed me for like the next hole and a half. And uh, I hit my tee shot in the next hole, the 11th tee. And they started singing the, the Vols fight song, which I thought was just uh, absolutely hilarious. It was funny. Um, so it was a nice little, you know, back and forth there. No hard feelings towards either. You know, they didn't have any hard feelings for me. I didn't have any hard feelings, no ill will anyway. We were just having a nice little, you know, uh, little back and forth with each other. So, uh, like I said, majority of the time, I'm okay with it. Sometimes if, I, if I've, I'm, you know, just messed up on a whole last thing I want to hear is some, somebody say, go dogs or whatever. I hear a lot of it at Tour Championship. I hear a lot of it at Tour Championship, and I know yeah. 
that week, I'm just, okay, I'm going to hear a lot of it. Tour championship, you know, that's fine. I remember playing with Chris Kirk and, and um, you know, obviously yep. you play with Chris Kirk, a dog, so you're going to hear a lot. And it's no different when someone, and I apologize that when I play the Florida Swing event, you know, at Honda, Drow, Bay Hill, sometimes I play Tampa, Players Championship, I apologize to the guys in my group on the first TSA guys. I apologize today. You guys will probably hear 50 to 100 go Gators before the day mm-hmm. And, and there are, so, uh, and I just apologize. So listen, I, I apologize. It's going to happen. <laughs> you know, but you know what I love, I, I love SEC football. It, it, I love SEC period. I think our conference yeah. people, people from the outside looking in don't understand it. Um, they're like, how can you, how can, you know, you have this big rivalry against the Georgia Bulldogs and then in the bull game, you're pulling for them to beat this other team. Like, because it's SEC. Yeah. We want SEC to be the best there is, and we are the best conference there is. Last thing we want is one dominant team like Ohio State just running hell through the Big Ten year after year, no one challenging them, you know? So, um, you know, like I said, if you don't, if you, you don't haven't gone to school here, if you haven't lived in the SEC in the Southeast, you don't understand our culture. And, you know, we can explain it as much as you want, but until you really experience it, until you, you really grasp a hold of it, then you will understand, you know, how much we can hate someone at one point, but we can love them the next minute because we just have a, a, a great respect, mutual understanding, um, and, you know, admiration for it, for everyone in the SEC. Yeah, it's just crazy. I, and I'm getting excited about the uh... – the season coming we're getting we're getting here you know close so we're only only a month away yeah you guys gotta be excited i think kirby smart's a, a great hire um yeah. you know the thing about mark rick you know i kept asking you know chris kirk uh brian harm and kevin kisner i thought mark rick was a great guy he was a good coach the problem was he just couldn't yeah. win the big game you know he could yeah. give you 10 wins every year but you know he would lose those two big games a year that you guys needed to win and and unfortunately, you know, he, he didn't win enough of those big games to, um, to, to help save his job or, you know, to move you guys to the next level. So, you know, that's been a little disappointing, but I think you guys got a great coach in Kirby Smart. Obviously, he's learned under Nick Spitzhaven for, for many, many years and it's uh, changing the culture up there, seems like a little bit. So um, am I a little nervous about, uh, you know, our, our rivalry? You know, possibly, you know. We'll see what happens this year, and and uh, but you know it's it's always a fun fun game between the the dogs and the Gators. All right, so random question here for you, Billy. If if you were to host your own version of SB two K sixteen, who's invited? How many guys can I invite? You can invite uh, four other guys. Four other guys. Oh, geez. Okay. My first one, I'm going to invite uh, my good friend, Matt Avery, uh, Florida Gator as well. Uh, he's a yep. really good friend of mine. Uh, number two is going to be Scott Piercy. Uh, okay. Another good buddy of mine. Yeah, Scotty P's a really good guy. He's a guy that people, you know, misunderstand a little bit. You know, he's a really good guy, real fun guy. Uh, number three is Charlie Hoffman. Uh, yeah. loves to have a good time, you know, another good buddy. And, um, I'm actually going to choose this guy cause I like, I like him a lot. Uh, he likes to, to gamble a little bit and I'm sure, you know, the other guys that I've always named like to, uh, you know, aren't afraid to, uh, 
you know, gamble and, and, and stuff like that, I'm going to say, uh, you know, he's a fellow dog, Kevin Kisner. Yeah, we love some kids. Pat um, actually voted for him to be suspended from Palmetto when he when he did the, the golf tournament. That, that's not true. That's not true, Billy. You, don't let him. Don't let him tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, obviously, I saw that, and then I didn't see him again until, you know, this. Well, that came out right, what, right after Players Championship, I think. That he was right before, yeah. Uh, right before, um, yeah. And uh, next thing you know. Uh, I'm not sure it was a Players Championship or U.S. Open. I think it was maybe been U.S. Open. Um, is when I saw. Yeah, it was U.S. Open. I saw that the Palmetto logo came off and the Sage Valley yep. logo went on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's that's when they rescinded the uh, the suspension. Actually, is when that when that happened. I think. That yeah. Was, you know, I, well, I heard that they had rescinded it, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, that's a bad deal because the freaking producer of the show is the one who. You know, yeah. said, "Hey, how about do we do this?" And he said the assistant professional was out there, or whoever's out there, you know, watching him was having a good time with it too. So he said it was a raw deal. That's really. exactly what I thought. I thought the same thing, Billy. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. You know, if they're going to send them, obviously they had the chance to review the, the film before it went out, so it, it was kind of it was just ridiculous to me. But um, so I got. Well, I mean, I gotta, they had a chance to review the film, and then they suspended them after they went public. That's BS right yeah. there. Yep. Yeah, it was. It was. So I got an off the wall question for you. So okay. you went to Bayside, Bayside High School, right? Yeah. This is going to give us some insight on you. So are you a Kelly Kapowski, Jesse Spano, or Lisa Turtle kind of guy? Oh, Kelly Kapowski. She, Absolutely. Absolutely. She's a hot <laughs> Oh, man. I remember watching that, and I was watching that show as much as I could. Yes. I love it when yes. she was always in her chilling outfit or her, her swimsuit, which is very rare that she was ever in a bathing suit. Oh, yeah. man, the, uh, the, the, the summer episodes where they were at the uh, they were at the, the resort or whatever. I mean, it was a one piece, yeah. but it was still better than nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you had some of the college years, too, so. Yes, the college years, yeah, when she matured, became a woman in that. Anyway, all right, we're going to have to move on. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's see. You're turning thirty this year. You know that kind of sucks. Um, I remember yeah, turning thirty. Exactly. You know, what are your What are your What are your plans? You got a You got any uh, big plans? It's It's a big one. Yeah, uh, I think my plans are very little. Do nothing. Uh, I'm sure. You know, my wife and our friends will want to do something, but more if uh, if I can make it work, which I didn't do last year, but I've done. You know, five years before, I'll probably wind up, uh, you know, out in Aspen, Colorado, two weeks after my birthday, hopefully be on yeah. a snowboard. We're big music guys, Billy, so uh, we always like to ask some guests a couple questions around music. So what are you listening to right now when you get the chance? Who's on your, who's on the uh, the iPhone or, or what's on the rotation for you? You know, when it comes to music, I listen to anything and everything. It usually okay. just depends on the kind of mood I'm in. You know, that day or that time, you know, I can go anywhere from listening to Drake, the G-E-Z, all the way to, um, which I thought I would never listen to, but Justin Bieber's got some good songs. Oh, yes! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes! I, yes! I'm, finally! Yeah. Uh, you know, you got Adele, um, and then you can go all the way to some house, some dance, some EDM music. 
um, yeah. all the way to Country, who I listened to Darius Rucker, Jake Owen, mm-hmm. Charles Kelly, Lady Ann Bellum, uh, my buddy Craig uh, Campbell. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's I listen to a lot of people and uh, you know, and a lot of different genres, and you know, there's not um, not one that uh, you know. I stick on, you know, I'll listen to Alt Nation. I used to listen to Alt Nation all the time. That's probably, if anything, that's probably my uh, my go-to. Um, but, you know, I was out in Switzerland. Nice. I was in Switzerland on Monday for, this past Monday, uh, with a lot of other guys, with um, Sergio Garcia helping out yeah. with his foundation event. And Kenny G, who I've known for a few years, he went and he played a concert for us. And, you know, Kenny G playing saxophone. It was pretty good. You know, it was a nice... Yeah. You know, if if uh, you know, you know, you get in a romantic mood and your wife is not, you put on some Kenny G. That's right, man, man, Billy. You, it, this went, this just went up a few notches in my book. So you know, <laughs> I'm a, I am a a unapologetic Justin Bieber fan, um, and, and I, we've talked about it many times on the show. In fact, the very next question we have scripted to ask you. Is what is your music guilty pleasure? And I was going to say mine is Bieber and Pat's is like '90s Mariah Carey, but uh, but you know you you just you just totally owned it. And I I respect a man that can just come out and say, you know what, you know maybe Justin was a little too goofy for me in the in the younger years, but now the guy's doing his thing and and I and I like it. So I respect that. Yeah, I mean really I would say about that. I would say you got Justin Bieber, Adele, Sam Smith, you know. Oh, you know, yeah. as a guy, the last thing you want, last thing you want to do is say, you know, I listen to Adele. Or I want to listen to Sam Smith. Listen, I'm not too big of a man to miss that. I like some Sam right. Smith. I like some Adele. Sam Smith, you know, good. ain't gonna do anybody, you know. So whatever, whatever they think of me, I like Justin Bieber. If it's a good beat, it's got some good tunes yeah. to it. You know, it's a good song. I'll listen to it. I don't care who sings it. If you sing it, Pat, I'll still listen to it. If it was oh. good. <laughs> Um, I'm actually a Sam Smith fan as well. I took my wife to see him live in Atlanta at the Fox one year. And you talk about, you know, you talk about the Kenny G helping you out. It's a little help. Sam Smith does the same thing. So, I mean, obviously growing up, uh, I was a big Hootie the Blowfish fan and, you know, big Sister Hazel and Dave Matthews fan. And, you know, they still kill it. Um, yeah. So there's just, now uh, you're actually actually talking people I know. (laughs) There you go. You know, and then, and then, um, then you know, like even go to, um, gosh, uh, what am I thinking? Uh, what songs? Some more of, uh, you know, I love Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. a lot of the 90s grunge music. So, like I said, I mean, I'm very, um, you know, I'll go even back to classic rock with, you know, Guns N' Roses. And my dad was a big Beatles fan. I, I grew up listening to Rolling Stones. So, like I said, I mean, I've, I've I touched every bit of genre. There's not one genre in the music world that I'm not li- that I don't listen to, at least some point, you know, you know, throughout the year, month, week, whatever. All right, so I got one more random question, and Pat's got got one, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll let you go. So now you're a Boston sports fan. I'm I'm assuming that means Patriots as well, right? Correct. Okay, so me and Pat are big uh, big football fans. Love the NFL. Uh, there are there, are, you know, we are seven Sundays away from the kickoff of the NFL season. Uh, and actually, I don't know that I've ever talked to Pat about this, but I, I'm a Patriots fan as well. Not like they're not like my first team, but I like the Patriots. I, 
I like Belichick. I love Tom Brady. So I'm sure being the big Boston fan that you are and the Patriots fan that you are, is there any amount of money you could be given to kiss Tom Brady on the mouth? No. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> he draws the line there. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of you know, fanatical, well, fanatical there, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. When it comes when it comes to me, I mean, Florida Gators by far is my first and I mean I'm I watch everything, I know everything about every sport that's going on with the Florida Gators. Now, when it comes to like the Patriots, the Red Sox, Celtics, you know, I, I follow the Jaguars, I know some of the Jaguar players. You know, I'm just not a person that, you know, I I watch them. I know I'm not a fanatic fan, but I pay attention okay. to pull for them, especially, you know, in postseason. I'll watch everything in the postseason if my, one of my team's in there. But when it comes to meeting like a Tom Brady or, you know, when it comes to meeting like a big poppy or something like that, I'm not a person that gets starstruck. Um, I've never been starstruck. I'm like, oh, my God, that look who yeah, that is, yeah. you know, or Michael Jordan, you know. Whoever it is who I've ever been able lucky enough to, to come across, you know, I look at everyone like, hey, listen, you know, they put on their pants the same way, you know, they they walk the same way, they, you know, they shit the same way type deal, you know, there ain't anybody <laughs> yeah. different, you know, type yeah. deal, you know, no one's better, you know, yeah, that person may have a crap load of money, but that doesn't make him a better person or or whatever it is um, than me. So that's what I look at. I look at everyone as the same. No one's bigger or better than anyone else. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, listen, I'd rather hang out with a guy who has no money because he's fun to hang out with a regular guy, this and that, than the guy that's worth $500 million and just a freaking asshole. No one wants yeah. to hang out with that guy. I don't care how much money you have. You know, I want to have, hang out with a guy who wants to enjoy a good time and just a normal person and, 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 and treats everyone else the same way. and doesn't look at himself as, as he's better than everyone else type deal. Well, Billy, we're going to wrap it up here. I've got one more question, then I'll let David kind of close us out. But uh, we we talk a lot of fantasy golf on the show, especially DraftKings golf. So, yeah, have you have you heard much about DraftKings, and and do you see an impact on score, you know, from fantasy golf as far as just day in and day out being out there? Um, I know all about DraftKings. Um, I will plead the fifth on if I've ever played DraftKings on the PJ sure. Tour. Um, (laughs) 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 but uh no you know what when when with fantasy coming into golf now you know within the last year or two especially with DraftKings, you do hear people um mention something on the golf course you see it more on twitter you're like hey you know i just need a big day for you tomorrow make a lot of birdies type deal you know you you hear you see a lot of that on twitter and you know it's all fun and games it really is but you know when you get the the jackass guy on twitter you know, giving yeah. the player a hard time because he's on his fantasy lineup and, and he, he played bad day and shot five over and the guy's like, you're worthless, you know, what are you doing? You suck at golf. Like, come on, dude. You know, like, yeah. what are you, like, seriously? And he's like, well, you know, <laughs> like there's a situation that happened to Ryan Palmer, I guess, this past weekend up at RBC. I saw a little bit of it on Twitter and the guy was just railing Ryan Palmer because he, he, you know, he had a good round going. It was like two or three in the par and wound up shooting like three or four over par. And like, how does that happen? You know, I'm like, dude, things happen, you know, and this guy's just giving a hard time about it. And it's just, you know, that's just where I think, you know, it's, it's you know, there's, there's, unfortunately, there's a, a few people, there's not a lot, there's a lot of people that, you know, do it the right way and enjoy it. And, 
Yeah, they're trying to make money, but they're not hounding the person because he played bad. Um, but there are, unfortunately, like anything in life, there are a handful of people that are just uh, jackasses, sort of yep. simply, when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, those uh, those yep. guys are nut jobs. We uh, we do not endorse that whatsoever. In fact, we we enjoy watching our, our buddy Bodich. Like Bodich is great at handling some of the criticism. Uh, he gets uh, he gets tweaked a lot yeah. here lately, especially the way he's he does. Playing. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately yeah. the way he's been playing, he's a really good guy. I mean, unfortunately he's played bad this year, and he's such a good guy. So it's tough to see someone like that play bad, and you know he's working hard at it. Um, and to see you know people on Twitter just give him a hard time, I think. You know, yeah. Like, there's bigger things in this world than someone playing bad on your fantasy league team. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Bodish uh, asked the guy a couple weeks ago if he wanted him to give him his three dollars back, which is just a great answer. <laughs> yeah, um, saw that. Well, well, yeah, man. We, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate it, man, and we, we, we are pulling for you. We were, we were actually both on you pretty well for the Open Championship. We both like you, but it's tough for for me to get Pat to. Uh, to convert and like kind of be on a gator guy so he's uh but, but we, we were pulling for it at the open man and and hate that it, it ended the way that it did it got the bad side of the draw we get it um and you know you, you just hit some bad shots like you said but we are pulling for you at the pga championship and going forward and uh appreciate you uh taking the time to come on our podcast and give us uh, as much time as you did Wish you and, and, and your wife, Brittany, and little girl, uh, Skylar, I believe, wish you all the best. And, yeah. uh, you know, you got Thank a busy a busy schedule coming up and FedEx Cup playoffs and all that fun stuff. So uh, maybe we'll have you on again one of these days. And uh, definitely, uh, definitely pulling for you, man. So once again, thanks for being on the Tour Junkies podcast. Perfect. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, David. All right, Golf Addicts. What an amazing interview from our buddy, Billy Horschel. Just a great guy, despite being a Gator. He's at, you know, I, I think there's um, there's a few really good guys that came out of Florida. Paul Tesori, Billy Horschel, Tim Tebow. I mean, he beat he beat the crap out of Georgia for many years, but a good guy. And and then Mark Smith, the listener, the TJ listener that helped us land Billy Horschel by complaining about you, Pat, bashing Billy on last week's show, which ultimately led to uh, to Billy paying attention and coming on the show. And I thought it was a good, uh, great interview. It was good to get to know him, and we cleared the air with you yet again. Another foot-in-mouth moment, an apology. And, um, you know, he also gave us some great insight on Baltusrol. What did you think of the interview? How, how uncomfortable was that for you? Compare that one to the Bowditch interview, you know? How, how do you think that went, buddy? Well, you know, it really wasn't that uncomfortable because I, I've, I've kind of become used to it now that that was my second one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic interview, a great fantastic interview. He he did a, a great a good, fantastic. Yeah, he did a good job and gave us a lot of good insight on the course and everything else. And um, so yeah, you know, it was it was fun. I was I was glad to do the apology again. I have to say, I, I, after uh, you know our conversation last week on the the backwards hat thing, I I, I did get to find out a little more about old, old Billy Horschel and and. Uh, you know, I think he's he seems like a good dude, so uh, that was fun, and he was definitely a good sport about it, just like Stephen Bowditch was, and uh, hopefully no one in the future, because I don't expect to do any more of those, but I'm sure it might end up happening. <laughs> um, anyway, great interview, so I was I was excited to have him on, and uh, really appreciate the listener kind of triggering uh, that up. So that was that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I was really, I was really affirmed, you know, on the on the Justin Bieber thing. That that just made me happy. You know, he's a Kelly Kapowski guy, which is also critical. I mean, you know, if you were if you were, you know, if you were a dude in 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 the '90s, early 2000s, and you didn't have a crush on Kelly Kapowski, then um, I question a lot of things about you. And so, yeah, I was happy I to hear that. I don't think what? there's. I, I would say if you polled like all of our listeners, that it would be at least three quarters Kapowski, wouldn't you think? It better be. If it's not, uh, then we're doing something wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? Um. Anyway, that was that was cool, and 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 like I said, the Bieber thing was cool. I was just about to ask him his guilty pleasure, and he just he just owned it. I love how he just owned it. I mean, that was great. I, I thought the uh, the SB two sixteen group that he would have was pretty funny, you know. Half of them being tour junkies uh, guests with Kisner and Piercy. Um, you know, he had Matt Every, Charlie Hoffman in the group. I just thought it was really fun. It, it gives you some cool insight into the guy, and he definitely gave us some great information on Baltus Raw, which we can uh, you know, which we can talk about in a little bit. But before we get into Baltus Raw, let's recap the RBC Canadian Open. Let's just do this quick and dirty. Johnny Vegas posts a number and then just, you know, hot dog and driving range session. And, uh, you know, before he knows it, he's uh, he's doing his his winning interview on the range. And I thought that was great. I love to see Johnny V win. He just seems like a really nice guy. Like, I don't know, something about him. He just seems like a nice guy. I think he won on his second start ever on tour and has not won since then. So it was really cool to see him do it. You had uh, Wheatcroft there fading on the last two holes with horrible shots uh, with a chance to win it. DJ came close. Snedeker came close. But in the end, Johnny V does his thing. It was, uh, it was fun to watch at the end there on Sunday. I didn't watch much of it beforehand, but, you know, but, it, but it was a good, good tournament, and he gets himself a spot in the PGA Championship. So good to see. Any, any other thoughts on the RBC? Well, and the Masters, too. So we'll get to see him in the, in the Masters. So, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, unless mm-hmm. he was already in there. I don't think he was, though. But no, he was not. He was not. So that, that was pretty cool. But, yeah, it was good to see him win. I, I was pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, Wheatcroft just not good watching that shot on 18. But um, And then he kind of blamed it on, like, the conditions, the sand and all that, which, whatever, that's a whole other other conversation. But... Um, yeah, it was good. It was it was a good tournament. Uh, I didn't I have to admit, as uh, this might come up later in the podcast, but I am actually on vacation this week. And yes, so, that's right. Um, I didn't get to watch a ton of the tournament, especially on Sunday because I was traveling. But uh, anyway, glad to see Vegas win. You know, guys like Sneds up there, who I was pretty high on last week. I was I was pretty excited to see him play well, and and then DJ again. He's just you know, I mean, what can you say? Just lighten it up right now. So, um, good tournament, but but now ready to turn turn it on to the PGA Championship. Well, we appreciate the dedication, Pat, being on vacation and continuing the podcast. You know, although it is the last major of the year, this compressed schedule it just feels like it's gone by so fast, and it's crazy to think the next major we talk about will be at the Masters in Augusta, right here. And it's just, it's kind of weird that, that that's how long it's going to be before we talk about another major. It feels like we've been talking about one every other week now. And we got the PGA Championship at Baltus Raw, and we appreciate you just being dedicated and making the sacrifice. It's, uh, it's, 
it's a great thing, man. It just speaks to who you are. You're just a well, solid dude. Uh, as I much as I as much as I rib you, it's you're a great guy. Good good co-host. Well, um. Uh, well, yeah. let's get over. It. Let's let's get done with all that. That's just too, <laughs> okay. too ridiculous. So let's talk about the course. Let's talk about the course, and as always, the weather, which I, I feel like may not be as important this week, but uh, you know, definitely worth a look. So why don't you give us a little, uh, a little scoop on Baltus Raw, the lower course, and uh, let's do this. Well, don't steal my thunder on the weather, because you've been doing that on Twitter lately. You keep posting they all these weather updates, and I'm you know, with his hat on back. I'm just trying to, uh, you know. Give give the people you know the weather, but you just keep stealing stealing the show there. But anyway, so talking about the course, we're at Baltusrol Golf Club this week. Seventy four hundred yards, par seventy. This is again one of those just old class. We've had some great courses this year, as far as the majors are concerned, and I, I love that we're back on this course because it's been a long time. It's been since two thousand and five when Phil Mickelson won here that we've actually had a major on this course. Um, Again, founded in 1895, so this 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 course has been around a long time in New Jersey on some far farmland by owned by Baltus Raw. Do you know? Did hmm. you know that Baltus Raw? I I did not know that. He actually died in an attempted robbery, and there's there's wow. rumors that there his ghost kind of haunts the the course a little bit. But wow, that's pretty gangster. Yeah, anyway, so they're on the lower course. There's actually two two courses here, an upper course and a lower course, but this is the lower course, which has hosted, I believe, four U.S. Opens, and, uh, of course, the last major here was the 2005 PGA, as I mentioned. Uh, again, this is one of those courses that you're just going to – it's just a typical major course. you got to hit fairways. The greens are going to be extremely tough, so I think we're going to be looking at some putting stats and driving accuracy. Um you know, so that's that's kind of a quick rundown on the course. We got a lot of other good stuff from Billy Ho and then the uh, pro out there at Boston Stroll that will give um, a lot better insight on it. Um, weather this week, as you said, actually is kind of just a non-factor. I mean, you've got the typical summer storms that could pop up every day, uh, so all four days of the course or of the tournament. Uh, it's going to be humid. It's going to be hot. Um, but I don't really think you're going to see much of a factor as far as the wind and things like that. Um, just looking in real quick at some past champs here. 2015, you had Jason Day. 2014, Rory won. 2013, you had old Duff with his first major victory. Rory won again in 2012, and then Keegan Bradley in 2011. And as I said, again, I'll just reiterate that Mickelson was the last uh, one in 2005, the last time it was here at Baltusrol. So that's that's kind of a quick rundown there, David. Excellent breakdown. You know, I did, uh, you know, Billy did mention, you know, that the course was, was kind of dry, running a little fast. So something to consider there uh, when it comes to the conditions of the course. But... Before we get into the next part, which is really going to be, we're going to talk stats. Before we do that, though, um, I want to set up an interview with the PGA Tour Pro out at Baltusrol. His name is Doug Steffen. Doug was gracious enough to uh, to sit down with us earlier in the week um, on a tight schedule and give us some insight into the golf course, uh, how he sees it playing out, and um, you know, just give you some great details that I think will give you some inside info. This is brought to you by Elite Events and Tickets.com. 
EliteEventsAndTickets.com. Uh, go to EliteEventsAndTickets.com to set up your trip and travel arrangements for the Ryder Cup, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, the Masters next year. Any of those major sporting events, Elite Events and Tickets can set you up. In fact, Pat, breaking news, this past week, Elite Events and Tickets has hooked us up with arrangements to go to the Ryder Cup. So you and I will be at the Ryder Cup. We're really excited about that in Hazeltine uh, at the end of September, thanks to Elite Events and Tickets. So we would love for as many of you guys as possible to to meet us up out there. Let's let's eat. Let's have some drinks. Let's watch some golf. Let's call some, you know, wreak some havoc and have some fun. So uh, check out EliteEventsAndTickets.com if you've not already. And for now, enjoy the interview with Baltus Raw head pro Doug Steffen. What's going on, Golf Addicts? It's David here with the Tour Junkies podcast. My co-host, Pat, is not available for this special guest that we have today as duty calls in the real job. Uh, but we are grateful to have, at the last minute, a special guest who knows a, a good bit about Baltus Royal Golf Club, the site of the PGA Championship coming up. It is Doug Stephan. He is the head pro at Baltus Royal. Doug, how you doing, man? I'm great, David. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Doug. We really appreciate it. So you are the head professional at Baltus Raw. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the course, Doug? You know, a lot of folks haven't haven't seen Baltus Raw at least uh, on the major swing. I think since 2005 when Phil won. Uh, but why don't you tell us if there's any changes from last time and just talk in general about the course setup? Yeah, we we have made changes since 2005. We uh, for the for the championship in 05, we narrowed the fairways, but we didn't move the bunkers on the uh, on the fairway bunkers, and so they were pretty far away from the fairways themselves. And then after the championship, uh, we did a major renovation to move those uh, fairway bunkers closer to the fairways, as well as relocating them because of today's players hitting the ball as far as they did. The bunkers were actually out of play. So everything has been redone as far as the, uh, the the bunkering has been concerned. We also added a couple new tees on holes number 13 and 15 to stretch those out another 25 to 30 yards. So those holes will now play about 450. And the total yardage for the golf course is going to be just under 7,500 yards, par 7. Awesome. And, you know, one of the unique things about this golf course, and, and I'll let you talk about it, is the last two holes. Tell us about those those last two. Yeah, we're the only major championship venue that has the last two holes are par fives. There's no other par fives uh, until you get to 17 and 18. For my membership, uh, holes number one and seven are are uh, par fives, but we make those par fours for uh, for major championships. And you know, the unique thing about 17 and 18 is so much can happen. 17, 650 yard par five up the hill. And uh, only one person has ever reached that green in two. That was John Daly in 1993 U.S. Open where he actually wow. kept the ball on the green. Some other players have uh, been in the bunkers beside the green, but nobody's ever been able to keep the ball on there except for Daly. And there's so much that can take place in those last two holes. Uh, 17, you've got to drive the ball in the fairway. And even though it's 650 yards, I think you're going to see a lot of players using fairway woods or irons just to get the ball in the fairway because their second shot has to cross a series of bunkers that are called the Sahara. Uh, have been nicknamed that for many, many years, and they're about 400 yards off the tee. And if you don't get the ball in the fairway, the rough is so thick that you're not going to be able to cross those uh, bunkers and get your third shot on the green because if you have to lay up, you've got like 260, 270 yards into the green, so it's difficult from there. And then 18 is a reachable uh, par 5 of 550 yards downhill 
And so you've got to have a lot of excitement there where possibly somebody could make a birdie or an eagle and somebody make a bogey, and you could have a two- or three-shot swing very easily in those last couple holes. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to watch that unfold on TV. What about, uh, you know, you mentioned the rough. So tell us about the rough. I mean, how thick is this thing, and, and are we uh, are we going to put a premium on you know, because if I look at the course just at first glance, it, to me it seems like a course that would suit a guy who can hit the ball a long way, like a DJ, Jason Day, Rory kind of deal. Um, but but talk to us a little bit about the value of accuracy and, and what's going to happen if a player finds themselves in the rough off the tee. Yeah, the rough is uh, is going to play a role. It's one of our defenses. We have uh, two defenses here at the club, our, our rough and our greens, and the greens are very tricky. Uh, very undulating, subtle undulations in there. But the rough is going to have three graduations to it. It's going to have an inch and a quarter right off the fairway. Then it's going to go to about three, three and a half inches for about seven feet. And then we go to five inches, five and a half inches after that. So you can get some pretty difficult lies. It's going to have a major impact in the outcome of the event. Uh, the golf course is a big golf course. It's uh, uh, long. It's uh, demanding off the tee. So a a person who's going to win is going to be somebody who drives the ball really, really well and can keep the ball in the fairway and uh, has some distance with it. So it's going to be an exciting event with all the players as long as they're hitting the golf ball today. Yeah, absolutely. You, you talked about the greens, too. So we are based out of Augusta, Georgia, obviously with some undulating greens there at Augusta. Would you compare the greens to Augusta? Or what, what other green surfaces um, would you would you compare it to, if any? Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at our greens, everybody thinks they're relatively flat. And I wouldn't compare them to Augusta because of the, the Augusta has more more rolling slopes to them where we're very subtle. It's very uh, very little undulations that when we get them up to the speed of the of the championship, uh, those little breaks come into play on those four, five, and six footers, and they're hard to read. Uh, we have an influence of a mountain uh, right next to us that makes the ball break away from that mountain, and it has to be taken into effect as far as uh, when people are putting. And they're some of the most difficult greens from a standpoint of those five and six footers. Uh, after the 05 championship, they did a little survey and Baldus Rawls greens were some of the toughest in the last 10 PGA championships. Wow. So going through all, you know, the, the off the tee stuff, you know, you mentioned um, players finding themselves in the rough, being in trouble, then the putting. What are some of those key stats? If you had to pick a few key stats, um, that that you think would 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 really you know perform well here for these guys. What what would those key stats be? Well, driving accuracy is number one on my list, and uh, you know because you've got to get the ball in the fairway, and then uh, you know uh, putting is uh, is is right in there. But I think well, you know when you look at who won in '05 and Phil winning the championship, you got to have a pretty yeah. good short game, and I don't think of anybody who has a better short game than Phil Mickelson. So he. Uh, yeah. He did some amazing things uh, in 2005. He did some amazing things last week uh, during the British Open. And, uh, you know, he's a fan favorite in New York area, so he's going to be yep. coming in uh, on a high as far as uh, the way he played and very confident. And uh, we look forward to maybe him defending. Baldus Roll has a tendency of repeating history. Jack Nicholas won here in 67 and 80, the U.S. Opens back-to-back. So wow. it might see history repeat itself with Mickelson in 05 and 16. So it would be kind of exciting to see. Yeah, that would be great. So it also sounds like scrambling and some creativity around the greens, which we know Phil is known for, uh, might also be of some value this year. Um, any any tour players that have been out there playing early? Any any practicing that you've seen uh, lately? 
You know, it's really unique this year with the Olympics and what's happened is yeah. the schedules have become condensed where you have the British Open last week, Canadian Open this week, and then we're the following week. So you've got two major championships. In answering your question, we have not had any tour players come by yet. Uh, we've had a couple club professionals that qualified through the club professional championship. The top 20 of those guys are uh, – five of them are local, actually, in the metropolitan area. So oh, they've wow. been over to play a little bit. But I think that, you know, with the schedules being the way they are with the Scottish Open and the British, and a lot of guys went over there, they'll probably take this week off. And we'll start seeing some action uh, probably of this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I think players will start coming in and, and, and playing. Because a lot of these guys have never played here. They've never seen ball to stroll. Yeah, you know, yeah. like their Jordan Spieth and the Rory's and, and Jason Day, even though we did a media day with Jason here a couple of weeks ago, he didn't play the golf course, so he's never seen it. So oh, wow. got it. it's pretty interesting that they've never been here because they were like 11 or 12 years old at the time <laughs> we had our last uh, our last championship. So uh, it'll be great to have those guys here, and it's going to be an exciting event, as it always is at Baldestral. It's uh, always proved to be a great championship venue. Well, what you know, speaking of the the 20 uh PGA professionals that get in and those five local guys, any of those guys you think could have a chance to, you know, make the cut here? Oh, I do think uh, you know, uh, Brian Gaffney uh who's up at uh, Quaker Ridge uh in Westchester in the Met area, he made the cut last year and was a low club professional and uh, I think he's back again this year and Matt Dobbins, who's at Fresh Meadow Country yep. Club over in uh, Long Island, he won two club professional championships uh back-to-back and uh, is back again this year. And Mark Brown out of uh, Tamoshanner on Long Island is a a very – he finished second this year. And uh, those guys have a great chance. Plus some other people, uh, Rich Labarian has a great chance of uh, making the cut. And then there's some other guys that will be coming in uh, probably this week and getting to see the place for the first time. So I think you're going to see a couple club professionals make the cut. Awesome. Well, it sounds exciting, Doug. We, uh, once again, appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on the Tour Junkies podcast and uh, giving us the scoop on Baltus Raw. We look forward to, let's all just be honest, we want to get ri- we want to get through the Canadian Open and, and go ahead and get to the PGA. <laughs> so, uh, very exciting and, and very exciting coming up, and uh, there's a lot of lot going on here. The infrastructure is gigantic, and uh, it's good to talk to you, David, and, 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 uh, and great job on the station, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate your time. What will you discover in Asheville, North Carolina? Your inner explorer as you hike mountain trails. Your creative streak as you stroll the River Arts District. In Asheville, the answers can surprise you. Don't miss Summer of Glass, now through September, featuring Chihuly at Biltmore and a community-wide celebration of glass with local exhibitions and tours. Visit exploreasheville.com to plan your stay. Asheville, discovery inside and out. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply.